Happy New Year to everybody. You know, when we get to a new year, uh, I always uh, find myself going to a scripture from Isaiah 43. It's like the perfect New Year's verse. Let me share it with you as we kind of launch into a new year, early, one of these early weekends in the, in the new year. Isaiah 43 says it this way, Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, this is God speaking now, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So as we head into a new year, I just hope that verse kind of uh, gives you permission to, to whatever has happened, good, bad, or indifferent in the past, the future is, is where God is going to do something new in your life, in the life of our church. And as we head into the new year, especially as we start off this series, I just hope you'll open your mind, your heart to whatever new thing God might have to teach you, to, to show in your life. Uh, and we're going to begin by talking about some of the struggles. We're going to get very honest in the next few weeks about some of the struggles in our life that we have. And instead of just kind of rolling from 14 and taking all those struggles and problems and worries and stresses and dealing with them in the same way that we, we did in 2014, maybe there's a new thing there that God could show us about how to respond, how to deal, and what, what, what's an antidote for some of the worries and struggles in our lives that maybe we haven't seen. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? God's doing a new thing. Because after all, the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real. If you're, I'm going to pick an age, uh, 35 or younger, you probably recognize that phrase as a sarcastic phrase from social media. If you're over 35 and other, you're clueless and you have no idea what I'm talking about. But the struggle is real. Everybody say it with me. The struggle is real. Now, that's a sarcastic statement. Usually it's meant to say uh, in kind of a way when someone says, uh, refers to a problem that's not really a problem. Uh, but, and then they'll say, well, the struggle is real in kind of a sarcastic way. Like uh, I sent out a, a, a tweet or a Facebook this week kind of asking for some examples. I got some doozies. Eric said, I really want to go to Chick-fil-A after church. Got there, remembered they're closed on Sundays. Oh, Eric, I'm sorry, man. You know, the struggle is real. So there, that's how you use the, the phrase. Uh, I just got on the school bus, forgot my earphones again. Oh, dude, sorry. Struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Susan said, Starbucks was out of my favorite latte. Oh, man. John Rochapi, the, the drive-up ATM is out of order. I had to park, get out of my car, and walk into the bank. Oh, struggle is real, bro. I'm feeling you, John. Nico, the Wi-Fi is down. Can't find my remote. The struggle is real. I, I, I'm a Vikings fan. <laughs> Give it to me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the truth is, each of us does actually face real struggles. And so there's a sarcastic use of that phrase, but the fact is, we all do have uh, struggles. Remember that ad campaign a long time ago from, uh, it was advertising milk, and uh, these famous people would stand there and have a little milk mustache, and what was, the, what was the phrase that would go with it? Got milk, right? I actually found one of those old ads, and I thought, well, this would be appropriate for a lot of people at, at Mountain, because it's a famous NFL quarterback that's near and dear to a lot of your hearts. Go ahead and show the picture there. Yeah, that's right, your beloved Tom Brady. Maybe the best phrase would be, got bitterness? That was a risk putting that up there today. But got struggles, yes. And we don't always, you know, you can't always see it on, on, a, on someone's lip like that, like you can a, a splash of milk. 
but sometimes you can. You can see the stress and the worry and the, in, in the back aches and the neck aches, neck aches and the migraines and the hunched up shoulders because we do have real worries. We have real busyness. We have real fatigue. We have real indecision and real fear, real loss, real grief. And you can't always just wipe it off you know, like a milk mustache, can you? You've got struggles and so do I. Maybe you're feeling sometimes a little bit like this little zebra guy. You know, he, he's having a rough time there. Maybe it's stress for you. Maybe it's an aging parent in your life or your finances are unraveling or uh, a death of someone that's close to you or at work there's a mean boss or some ordinary person you have to put up with in your life all the time. Maybe you're stressed out in your singleness or your marriedness. But we have struggles and they're real when you think about it 2015 kind of got off to a lousy start in the in the big picture news i mean think about it islamic terrorist attacks in france killed 12 at charlie hebdo suicide bomber in turkey killed another another suicide attack in iraq killed 23 more two killed in a shooting in the hospital in virginia suicide of a teenager an espn anchor died of cancer at 49 Stuart scott and we're still having funerals for the 120 who died on Air Asia flight, and now the NAACP was bombed, a reminder that race is still an issue in 2015. The struggle is real in life. And sometimes they're intensely personal, not just kind of in the news. Just this week, made quick note, it just took me 10 seconds to write this list. One woman, she's having, uh, her ex-husband was placed on hospice. And so Katie and Blake from our pastoral staff went over to be with her when she tried to explain to her young boys that they might lose their father. The struggle for them is real. Melanie on Facebook, I saw a member of our church here just got word that aggressive cancer is in her lymph nodes. She'll be in chemotherapy with a very real struggle over the next nine months, won't she? A friend I know is at wit's end worrying about his adult-ish son who is an addict of heroin and they're running out of money, they're running out of time, they're running out of hope. A woman told me she moved to Harford County to be a school teacher three years ago, but her finances have been so difficult she's afraid she's going to have to quit her job and move somewhere else that she can afford to live. Another was told by his girl that she didn't love him anymore. And someone else just got rejected from the college they were hoping to get in. Whatever it might be, their struggle is real. And here's where we're going. Friend, the struggle is real, but the shepherd is real too. You have a shepherd in your life, over your life, who cares for you and knows you. And that shepherd is real. And knowing that, just might be the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. If we could appropriate that truth to our lives, it would change dramatically how we tend to respond to the real struggles in our life. So what we're going to do is dive into one of the best-known, most-loved parts of the Bible to do this. We're going to dive deeply into the pools called Psalm 23. Psalm 23, some of us have seen on a funeral card or something like that. Even people who don't know the Bible know something about Psalm 23. We've heard maybe those words, the Lord is my shepherd, and the rest of it. But often, I think sometimes, we fail to to really take into ourselves what it means for us in a personal way when the struggle gets real. 
So we're going to take a look at that. And one of the beautiful things Psalm 23 is going to do for us is it's going to help us get a picture of God that we desperately need for our lives. You maybe remember hearing about the little girl who was in class, little tiny girl, drawing a picture. And the teacher came and said, what are you doing? What, what are you drawing a picture of? And she says, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl said, well, you will when I'm done. <laughs> and, I, and I hope that when we're done with, with going through line by line, verse by verse, word by word over the next six weeks, that the beautiful portrait that God has given us from His Holy Word in Psalm 23 will help you have a feel, an understanding, and sort of an idea of, oh, I see now who God is in a way that maybe is new. And that can change the way we all deal with struggles that are very real. Okay? So that's where we're going. Um, this is written uh, by uh, David. Uh, David himself was a shepherd. He knew something about sheep uh, as a boy. And then, of course, as a king, he was called the shepherd king because he, he shepherded the whole flock of the nation of Israel, the most famous and successful king. And, and then, I, I, this is written not as a young boy. This isn't a, a young kind of rap thing that sort of... This is, a, this is not just poetry. This is an old man looking back on his life. Can you imagine all the stuff that happened in David's life? He's thinking back on all these things, about some of the victories he had at war, some of the defeats he had at war, when his men turned on him, when, when he was faithful to God, when he was unfaithful to God, when he was faithful to his wife, when he was unfaithful to his wife, when his own family problems rose up and just about killed him, when his own, when his own sons died, when, when some of them turned on him and wanted to kill him, all of that. This is a guy who's seen life. He's seen a lot. The struggle was real for David many, many times. And he sits down and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Can I, can I ask you to, to rise to your feet and let's, um, let's say the Psalm 23 together out of respect for the word, word of God. We'll stand to our feet. And we're going to say it together. Now, there's a lot of translations that we use. I, I've, I've chosen one that I think is meaningful. It's a little different than maybe some of the ones that you've grown up reciting if you know this psalm and that will make it fresh for us we'll have to pay attention to the words let's say it and as you do i invite you to let it be like like david did you think about the sweep of events in your life the highs and the lows and you make this not only a celebration statement but a statement of your faith let's say it together ready here we go the lord is my shepherd i will not be in need he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Beautiful, beautiful, powerful words. Go ahead and grab a seat. Let's focus in on the first five words of that psalm, which are these. Same with me. The Lord is my shepherd. We want to talk about just those today, okay? And as we do so, we want to accent certain words along the way that will pull out meaningful parts of it for us. Let's start here by saying it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's talk about the word Lord. Say it with me that way, accenting the word Lord, will you? The Lord is my shepherd. The, the, the Lord. Remember, if you were here when we did the, the, the series about the names of God, whenever you see in your Bible all capitals on the word the Lord, that's a, that's a translation of the name Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. That's the name of God. That's His personal name. So there are other words that are like God, like El and Elohim and so forth. They just refer to God or deity. This is not that. This is David saying, you know what? We all have a shepherd. Everyone's being led somehow, somewhere in life. You are, I am, everyone. And he says, as for me, my shepherd is Yahweh God. Can you say that with David? That God is the guide of my life? That's what he's saying here. On the one hand, it's a celebration. I'm not alone. I'm not a dumb sheep wandering about. I've got a shepherd who's God. And on the other hand, it's a statement of his commitment I'm making Yahweh my shepherd. That word Lord, uh, really after all, means master, doesn't it? We don't live in a time when uh, we use the word Lord a lot in common language. We don't live with lords and ladies and vassals and serfs and so forth. But that's what the word really means. Lord means boss. It means someone who's a supervisor, a master, a leader over someone. And that's what David's saying. God is my leader. You see, uh, God's not the shepherd of everybody. He wants to be, but He's only the shepherd of those who let Him be their shepherd. You have to invite Him to be your shepherd. To say it another way, the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is is your Lord. The two go together. Sometimes people will try to say, well, I want God to be the shepherd of my life. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. I just don't want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want Him to be the shepherd. I want Him to care for me, protect me, love me, bless me, come through for me, answer my prayers, you know, completely surround me with His goodness and mercy, pursue me with His grace and mercy and love for the rest of my life, and I want to dwell with Him when I go, when I go to the end of my life, you know, but I just don't want Him to be the Lord of my life, and it doesn't work that way. God is gracious, and He gives grace to the just and the unjust, uh, and all of that, but if you want Him to be your shepherd, then the sheep need to be able to come and say, I will follow you, I will trust you. I make you my Lord. How can He bless us and give us the stuff we want in our lives and He wants to give us if we won't do what He says, if we won't, won't trust Him? If He says, well, here's green pasture over here, and we say, no, 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 I want to go hang out over here, how are we ever going to find the rest and the peace, you see? So I have to stop playing God and start letting God be God at the very beginning, first few words of this song. Jesus is my Lord. He's my boss, and that means I have to do what he says. Give him the reins. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to steer. So that's the first implication. This is all about control. And if you're saying the Lord is my shepherd, you're saying 
Lord, you're the boss. And I will follow you and do what you say. Now, why are we talking about Jesus in here? Well, I slipped him in there because you know what? Jesus says in John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus came in the flesh to personify the shepherd that David was writing about. I am the good shepherd. And he goes on to say in John chapter 10, a beautiful chapter that should be read right along with Psalm 23. He talks about how he says, my sheep know my voice. I know them, they know me. When I speak, they go, oh, I, I hear something that, that my master is saying. Does that describe your life? Jesus says, I call them by name. Do you know he's called you by name? Do you know that he's speaking right now? Can you hear the new thing? Can you perceive it that he's saying to you now? You hear the voice of Jesus and are you following him? The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Philip Keller tells uh, how he was a sheep farmer uh, and he got 30 ewe lambs. I think it was in East Africa uh, a few years back. He brought them home and he was admiring them in the pen because they were his, you know. He was kind of proud and pleased looking at them. You know, they belonged to him. And a friend handed him a sharp knife and said, uh, Philip, they're yours. It, you need to put your mark on those sheep because uh, in that time and place, each shepherd would have a kind of distinctive mark, a unique notch that would be cut into the ear of each sheep to mark it as his, to identify. And you could even see it from a long ways away, that notch out of that ear. And so each sheep would be brought one at a time and their ear would be laid down on that block and then notched deeply into the ear of that sheep would be that, that unique mark. Painful moment, brief but painful for the sheep, probably for the shepherd as well, but there was an indelible lifelong mark of ownership. And if you've given your life to Christ, you might want to just check your earlobe right now. <laughs> because when you give your life to Jesus, you say, I want to follow Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm letting you put a notch in my ear because I belong to you. You ought to be able to see that. I ought to be able to look at your life and see if you're a follower of Jesus. Not just tracking you and see if you happen to roll into a church on weekends. No, no, no. I ought to be able to see the notch in your ear by how you live. People ought to be able to look and say, wow, that person there belongs to Jesus. I can tell they're, they're one of his sheep by the way they respond to conflict, by the way they, they, they interact when, when, the, when the, the, the humor gets down a, a track that's not pleasing to God, by the way that they reach out to others and care and serve and love God, love people, serve the world. They ought to be able to tell, is there a notch in your ear? That's what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd. So, all this comes back. All this comes back to key question. Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your life? When the Lord is your shepherd, He's your boss, and you do what He says, but then it's also, He's in control, and you can rest easy, and all the struggles that are so real, see, now we can begin to give them to Him. Worry, my friends, is a control issue. When I think about the things that worry me, I was telling my wife last night about the worries that come into my life sometimes. You know what? It's a... It's a control issue. Worry isn't really a feeling like stress or anxiety. Worry is a decision to noodle on something that often we don't have any business worrying about. That's why Jesus can flat out command us to stop worrying. He can't tell you to stop feeling cold or, you know, or, you know something like that. 
but he can tell us to stop worrying. Matthew 6, 25 says, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Worry is almost always an attempt to control something that we can't control. Think about, your, think about the things that worry you and you'll see I'm right. We worry about our kids because we can't make them do and be make decisions we want them to. We worry about our aging parents because we can't fix them and do what we want them to do or, or, or reverse time. We worry about the economy. We worry about our, the direction our country is going. We worry about all these things. We worry about our health. And so whenever you see the, the flashing light of worry go up on your dashboard, you look under the hood and there you are trying to control things you can't control. So when we worry, we need to remember that the God who cast the stars into space and created the massive cosmos and the God who, when you pick up a clump of dirt, has control over all those millions and billions of microorganisms in there from the largest galaxy to the most minute microbe. They all function flawlessly under the leadership of God, our shepherd. And He created you. And this Jesus is the one who says, I lay down my life for those sheep. And he's already done it. And so he has a legitimate claim of ownership on your life. He brought you into being. He's laid down his life for you. And there is no one better able to care for you. So, if you think about it that way, it kind of changes how we respond to the struggles that come into life we can kind of respond a little bit more like this stick figure guy. Have you seen the stick figure guy? Uh, take, take a look at the little cartoon. That's what our shepherd promises. I got your back. You don't have to worry. So to say, Jesus, the good shepherd is my Lord, is not just to say you're the boss and I'll follow you. It's to say you're in control and I don't have to worry. Let me share with you a couple of my favorite scriptures in this, in this idea of getting really practical with what it means to say the Lord is my shepherd. And then we'll move on to some other words. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Here's what it says. Cast all your anxiety on him for He cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? Cast all of your anxiety, all of your worries, all of your cares, all of the stresses. All, whenever you say, man, the struggle is real, you take that and what do you do? You cast it on Him. Why? Because He's a shepherd who actually cares for you. It, 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 canker sores, kids, whatever it is, finances. The word cast there is a word in the language that, that means to, to leave, to, to literally throw, to put down, to leave at the feet of Jesus. To, to don't, don't pick it up. It's like a big backpack that you've been lugging through 2014, filled with the burdens, filled with the, the, the baggage that weighs you down. And here is Scripture saying, why don't you just take that thing off and leave it at the feet of the one who cares most for you, your shepherd. Cast your care. Take it off and just hurl it at the feet of Jesus and leave it there. That would be a game changer for 2015 for a lot of us. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And if it's big enough to pray about, 
God is big enough to handle it, so let him be in control because we're talking about a shepherd who is the Lord. And that's the second scripture I want to share with you is in Philippians 4, 5, and 7. Listen to this. Beautiful. Remember, the Lord is near. It's a shepherd right nearby. He's not out somewhere far away. He's right by his sheep. And now listen. Don't worry about anything. Underline the word worry. But instead, what's the word? Pray about everything. So don't worry about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's what? Peace. Underline peace. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you see the three words that I told you underline? Worry, prayer, and peace. We've got worries. The struggle is real. You want to get to the peace? The path between worry and peace goes through prayer. Worry, when it becomes prayer, can turn to peace. So if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And you don't have to pray 10 hours. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to have a bunch of flourishing these and thous. You don't have to have a bunch of Hail Marys. All you have to do is talk to the tender shepherd who wants a relationship with you. He can hear your voice just as much as he wants you to hear his. Well, I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy. Well, think about that for a second. Do you have time to worry? If you've got time to worry, you've got time to pray. Basically, they're the same thing. It just changes who you're talking to. If we'd, if we'd all pray about the things we usually worry about, we'd have less to worry about. And worry doesn't change anything, but prayer does. Oh, that old, that old hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. He's a good shepherd. So here's, here's your takeaway. We've got to learn in 2015 how to turn worry into prayer. Turn your worry into prayer. Worry is an inner monologue where you talk to yourself. We all know this mantra. What do you do when you worry? You go like this. You go, what am I going to do? 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 It goes on like that for a while. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right? You know this? That's how we worry. When we draw near to God and realize He's our shepherd and say, the Lord is my shepherd, we stop talking to ourselves about our worries and we start talking to God about them. And the monologue becomes a dialogue. And now instead of saying to myself, what am I going to do? I say to God, God, I need you to do what only you can do. And I leave it at His feet. That's called prayer. And it's the path to peace. And I hope you find it in 2015. That's the first thing we need to notice. Now let's move on and accent a different word for a moment. Let's accent the word shepherd. So we'll say it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. Say that with me, accenting the word shepherd. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. It's my shepherd. What does it mean to say that God and I are in some kind of relationship in which He's a shepherd and I'm a sheep? What does that mean? The Lord is my shepherd. Of all the images of God in the Bible, this may be the most powerful, the most beautiful but let's be honest, you know, most of us probably don't even know. You probably don't know any sheep farmers because we're urban dwellers and suburbanites. So, you know, some of us have never even been around sheep, maybe at a petting zoo or something like that. But the writer of this psalm is talking about shepherds and sheep, and everybody understood it in those days uh, because it was a common part of everyday culture. And let me just point out a couple of things, that, or at least one, that really would be a distinctive about what it means to say God is your shepherd. And here's, here it is. A shepherd 
you know anything about shepherd and sheep, the shepherd takes total responsibility for the life of that sheep. The shepherd takes total responsibility for the life of that sheep. And sheep need it because sheep aren't the brightest animals. They're difficult animals to take care of. It's a big commitment to take care of a sheep if, if you don't know that. A sheep, if they get turned loose in the wilderness, they die. They don't like forage around and survive. They die. They, die. they, can't, they can't find water to drink like, like a deer. It can't kill game like a lion. It can't defend itself against predators. It can't run fast to get away from much of anything. They're not strong to defend themselves. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They can't dig a hole or, and climb down. They can't climb a tree. They, can, they, they don't have a scary tail to make them look bigger. They can't go up on their hind legs. They can't uh, you know, turn around and kick you. They, they, they can't uh, emit a, a bad smell to make you, uh, you know, go away. They can't swim across a river. They can't dig a tunnel. They, they don't have sharp quills. They have a lousy sense of direction. They get out in the wilderness or whatever. They get lost. And when they do get disoriented, they tend to just panic, sit down and panic. They're easily frightened of their own shadow sometimes. And they're mob creatures. If one dumb sheep walks off a cliff, all the rest of them will go, hey, it looks like a good idea. And you have to get to go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Bad idea. We're going to let him go. You guys turn around. Otherwise, they just don't get it. And they're stubborn and they're ornery. And on top of it all, they're just plain dumb. They're, they're, they're helpless, defenseless, and they're stupid. Can you, can you begin to see why... A sheep-shepherd relationship pretty well perfectly describes your relationship with God. I mean, it makes sense in, the, in all the sense of the world. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, all of us, we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. There's a lot of things we can't do to defend and protect and all of that for ourselves. We need a shepherd because the struggle is real. Well, so is the shepherd. You need a shepherd. And here's what a shepherd does. He provides and protects. He guides and corrects. He provides and protects. He guides and corrects. And that's what the shepherd wants to do in your life. That's the commitment that God gives to you. Like if you ever watched a toddler, you know, oh my goodness. My daughter Ellie, she, she uh, got to watch my niece's uh, baby over Christmas break up in Minnesota. And you can't just leave that kid alone and say, I'll be back in a couple hours. Little, little two-year-old wandering around, looked down, she had, like a, she had like a serving fork in her hand, waving it around, you know, and like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You can't leave him alone for a second. And that's God's promise to you that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for your lifelong journey, he will be your caretaker, provider to provide and protect and guide and correct as your shepherd. Remember the, she remember the, sh the shepherds out in the wilderness uh, during the Christmas story? Behold, there were shepherds out in the fields watching their flocks by night they lived with the sheep and even in the middle of the night there they were and that's how god is right with you when you're worried about a straying son or you've got nausea in the middle of the night whatever it is feelings are hurt from an insult your car won't start doesn't matter god's with you where you live even in the middle of the night so you can start counting sheep because that's what he's doing and you're one of them Matthew 9, as Jesus walking around, he sees the crowds. Verse 35, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because to him they, they looked harassed and helpless. And they say, he said, look, these are sheep without a shepherd. When God looks at your life, when you're harassed, when you're helpless, he doesn't say, well, how stupid of you to get yourself in that fix. His first inclination is as a shepherd to say, well, you need a shepherd. He has compassion. The word shepherd in the Hebrew text is the word roi, roi. 
And it comes from the Hebrew word riah, which means friend. The word shepherd grows out of the word friend. A shepherd is a friend. And you've got one who's real. You've got a friend in Jesus, your good shepherd. And that leads us to the final thought. Let's place the emphasis on the word my. My shepherd. Would you say it that way with me? The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Someone said that the word my in Psalm 23 is the most precious word in the psalm. It doesn't say that God is the shepherd of the whole world or God is the shepherd of the earth or the shepherd of Israel, the Lord of the church. It doesn't say those things. I mean, those things are true. Psalm 100 says, We're the sheep of His pasture. But this is a much more personal, intimate focus, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. It's very personal and intimate. And that word my runs all the way through this psalm. You know, in just six short verses here, it's mentioned 17 times. Me, my, mine, 17 times. I think it's pretty clear we're trying to make the point. This psalm is about the love and depth of concern that a great big God has for little old you and me. Because when we're hurting... I don't really want to know if there's a God of the church at that particular moment. I want to know if I have a personal shepherd. When you don't make the team or you get walked to the door and you're sitting out in your car after getting fired from your job, what you want is a personal shepherd who cares about your life. When you just got that awful phone call or had a painful fight that drains you emotionally, you need to know that he isn't someone else's shepherd. In those moments, you want to be able to say, he's my shepherd. When I get fatigued, but i got to keep going, that's when it means something to put the accent on the word my. The Lord's my shepherd right now. When you're distre- distressed or discouraged or worried, you've got a big old burden, bag of baggage on your shoulders, and you don't want to trouble anyone with it, It's nice to know that you have a shepherd who's asked you to cast it at his feet. The struggle is real, and so is the shepherd. I got to thinking, you know, Jesus, when he taught this stuff, he always used object lessons, you know. He he would often... He would often kind of say, well, you know, well, for example, and he'd hold up something. When he talked about, when he said, I am the good shepherd, probably they could have looked over his shoulder and seen a shepherd on a sheep, and with some sheep on a field behind him. And I thought, well, we need that. We need the ability. If Jesus were here, so I thought, well, we need a sheep. So I got one. So Ellie, my daughter, bring out Sam the lamb, will you? Sam the lamb's with us today. Don't applaud, please, because Sam the lamb might get skittish. Hi, Sam. Thanks, Ellie. Come on up here. Oh, 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 oh. This is what happens when you work with animals. Yeah. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. So this is Sam, the lamb. Hey, we're both wearing wool today. So, just for a moment, maybe you can kind of imagine that, excuse me, 
Maybe you can imagine that you have a shepherd and you're maybe this sheep. Maybe you can imagine a shepherd kind of coming beside you, singling you out from the flock right now. And maybe you can hear the shepherd speak over you to say, you know, I'm your shepherd. I'm here for you. I've laid down my life for you and I need you to trust in me and do what I say. I'm your friend. I'll give you everything you need. You shall not want. So you can stop worrying. I know you get tired sometimes and stressed and worried, discouraged from life. I can help you find places of rest and green pastures and quiet waters. I know how to refresh your soul and restore you. I can give you peace and I want to do that. And even though you go through difficult times, dark valleys, struggles that are real, you don't ever have to be afraid because I'm with you. I'm with you. I have a big stick and I'll protect you. And I'll sit you down. I want to bless your life so it'll be like you're sat down before a big feast of food you love. Your cup of blessing will overflow. And whatever happens, wherever you go, whatever kind of trouble you get into, I will pursue you all the days of your life. And my goodness and my mercy and my love will follow you until we dwell together in my house. If this sheep could open the ears and hear that, don't you think it would make a difference? I hope it makes a difference for you. You know, there was a famous actor one time who was at an event, the guest of honor at a social gathering where they were reciting famous passages and so forth from literary works. There was an old preacher at that same gathering and the preacher said, would you recite for us Psalm 23? And the actor said, well, I will if you will. And uh, the preacher agreed. And so the actor stood up and he began to recite and he did so in the way you'd expect a very fancy actor to do. He had his voice rose and fell at all the dramatic moments. He was very eloquent and elegant. The Lord is my shepherd. And when he was done, everybody applauded. And then the old preacher got up and his voice was cracking and he, uh, he didn't have the same kind of eloquence, but he spoke as if it was like a prayer that came right out of the depths of his soul. The Lord is my shepherd. And when he was done, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And someone was talking later amongst themselves. They said, what was the difference between those two? And you know... The response was, well, the actor knew the psalm, but the preacher, he knew the shepherd. There's a big difference between knowing the words, the Lord is my shepherd, and knowing the shepherd. So please don't, please don't let that be you who just knows the words. 
Let your, let your life be one who knows the shepherd and can rest in the arms in the presence of the shepherd. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for being our shepherd. And we come to you now and we, we ask you to Receive our lives and help us to stop worrying, to lay at your feet the worries that we have. Help us to lean on you for all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.